Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. When we go through some struggle to learn a new instrument, to learn a new language, to learn a new behavior, you know, et cetera, um, we then forge a new neural pathway. The more we work on that new behavior, and move through discomfort, um, oligodendrocytes, astrocytes in your brain are lit up and the myelination process occurs. Think about an electrical wire that then has a, a, like a coating on it. Myelin then takes that new behavior, that new neural pathway, and takes it from dial-up to broadband. So we don't necessarily drop old behaviors. We create new behaviors that have greater amounts of myelin and become our default. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Christine, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, I am really, really happy that you're here. Uh, you know, I had a chance to to dig through some of your book and, and was introduced to you, I, I believe, by way of your publicist. And it's very funny because it's taken something like three attempts to get you here between both of our schedules, but it's finally <laughs> happening. So I am thrilled. And I want to start with a question uh, just based on a, a little bit about what you told me before we hit record here. And, and that is what social group were you a part of in high school and what impact did that end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your career? So what was uh, what I did in high school was I bounced between several groups. I actually didn't belong to one. Um, so I hung out with the surfers, and then I hung out with kind of the geeky intellect people, and I hung out with the jocks. So, and then when I when I went to Connecticut, I grew up in Palos Verdes, California. But then when we transferred and we went to Greenwich, Connecticut, they actually had very specific cliques. And I became part of the tree people. They were called that because we hung out by this big, huge tree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've not really been a big, um, you know, belonger. I like to move between the different groups. And then I dropped out of high school, um, you know, pretty early and um, negotiated my way into college because it was just so slow, you know, and boring. Yeah. Tell me about the decision to drop out of high school. As somebody who's been a very staunch critic of education, um, both you know K through twelve and higher education, I'm really curious. Like, what led you to the decision to drop out of high school? And knowing that there are a lot of parents listening to this, given your choices, what would you tell those parents? Yeah, well, for starters, uh, don't follow my example. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in high school is a good place to grow up, yeah. you know, just like college. College was really where I grew up. You know, you have a checking account, you know, you're, you're just, you know, you, you grow up there. It's like a safe place to stash kids while they grow up and figure out who they want to be. Uh -huh. um, but for me, you know, my, my family kept kind of moving back and forth across the country. My parents were together. They were apart. They were together. They were apart. And I finally just said, you guys work it out. Okay. And, and you know, We'll be in touch, but I need to like go find my path. So I got a fake ID. It said I was 26. Um, uh, again, don't follow my example. Um, <laughs> it was really easy to change California IDs from 16 to 26 back then. All you needed was a semi-sharp number two pencil. Wow. Um, and I got a job um, in a neuroscience lab in New York City. And, um, you know, everything just kind of went from there because human behavior is so interesting. And as a kid, I would go, you know, why do people, all these people have money, but they're unhappy. Then these other people are super successful, but they don't have a traditional background. How does this work? So I wanted to like go out there and get in the world and find out, you know, uh, do you think that you have like a, a natural aversion to authority based on, on this? <laughs> um, you know, probably a little bit, um, because, you know, I did end up going briefly back to high school and I just couldn't handle it. Like, you know, football games, cheerleaders. I was like, what? You know, mm -hmm. um, and so then I negotiated my way into UC San Diego and, and you know, started my, my higher education. And they just transferred my first batch of credits back to Palos Verdes High School, which I thought was super cool. Um, but I think so, because if something isn't isn't right or doesn't seem right. That's how I got my job at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. um, I have to call it out. Like Microsoft, they were doing tiled windows a long time ago. 
and I called them up and I said, you know, Windows, it is such a good idea, but it's such a bad design. It's not going to become a world standard, you know, and they and they said, like, after they finished their, their laughing fit, they're like, uh, if you're so smart, like, come and fix it. And I said, great, I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> and, uh, and I had to, like, you know, camp in the lobby because they didn't want to deal with me. And finally, they said, look, you know. Um, here's your here's your five minute interview. So I crashed Windows. I disassembled it. I showed them where the bugs were, and they said, "Okay, you have no pedigree. You're supposed to have an Ivy, you know, de- uh, Ivy degree to work here." And I said, "Well, look, hire me for two weeks. Don't pay me if I suck. Just fire me." Uh-huh. You know. So yeah, I think I do have some. Um, okay. I question authority. Yeah. That, that raises so many questions, as, as you might imagine. <laughs> but you know, one of the things I'm curious about is you know you mentioned the fake ID, and I'm curious that if if you know this sort of growing up really quickly forced you to step into the role of being an adult, even you know when you weren't necessarily completely grown up. Like, did it force a certain behavior? The same way that you know, for example, somebody puts on a new pair of clothes and it changes how they feel about themselves and how they interact with the world. Like, do you think that? That shaped your identity in that way at all? Yeah, probably. And you know, you know, now we know from Brizendine's research that like the prefrontal cortex isn't even baked in a female until twenty one and a male until twenty five, which by the army knows this. This is why, you know, the military recruiting is way before twenty five, before a guy will say, What? I could get killed, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think um I think so. I think so. And then you get to learn how to play and be a kid as you get older. So, you know, it all works out. Mm. The other sort of thing I I get uh, a sense of is the fact that you seem incredibly self-assured, you know, about sort of the choices that you make. Like, you know, there's a certain sense of confidence to the way you describe these moments in your life, Uh, like the Microsoft experience, like the decision to to drop out of school and say, okay, you know what, I'm just going to create an ID. Uh, one, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, you've done a lot of work around leadership. How do people develop that within themselves if they don't feel that they have it? Which I realize yeah. is a big question. Yeah. Well, let me give you Bill Gates's example because okay. um, I learned a lot from him in the 16 years you know, that, I, that I hung out with him. But, um, but, you know, but I did have this kind of confidence before. But first, I'll give you the Bill Gates example. So many people say, oh, once I achieve all these great things, right, and I've got all this evidence, then I'll be confident. Well, yeah. I mean, that's easy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what Bill would do and what I learned from him was that you declare confidence as you step out on the battlefield. And he did this with Windows. And, you know, he was saying, you know, Windows is going to be a world standard. And, you know, it was being torn apart in the press in 1985, 1987, torn apart in the press. It was ridiculed unanimously. It was a disaster. And he said, you know, it's just a matter of time, just a matter of time. You know, he decided that it was going to happen. And it, frankly, it was just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely happening. So it was a choice. And I remember early on, I went to um, I went to a program called uh, EST. It, it's called Landmark yep, Now. Absolutely. Yeah. Been through it. So. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. So, so when I was 15, I, I read about this and I'm like, oh, I totally want to go to this. And I called up and they're like, well, you can come when you're 18. So call us then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, it's not really going to work for me. So I, I had to get my parents to go. And then they had to sign a letter saying it was okay for me to go. And that really was a turning point for me. Cause once I really saw that, like, you know, S was saying, you know, life is meaningless uh-huh. and you have no value. And I'm like, yeah, I have to create the meaning and I have to find my own value how cool that's what I'm gonna do yeah you know so it kind of gave me this cool agenda to work with you know and then I could rise above all the stuff that you're dealing with in your teens and go oh it's something I need to create and once I got that it was like okay cool you know Uh If I fall down, I'll just get up again. I'll, you know, there is no failure. There's just feedback. Oh, that's not the way to do this. Or there's an optimal way to do this. So I I have to ask you about the landmark thing, because there's a lot of things that come up for me, um, you know, when we have this discussion, because like, I I have a lot of things to say about this, some of which people might not agree with. But one of the things that has struck me, I remember this very distinctly, our our landmark forum leader said the one for adults is three days. She's like the one for kids takes like seven hours because they don't have nearly as much baggage and bullshit for for us to deal with. Like it's way easier. So I'm curious, one, do you think having experienced it at the age you did made the difference that it did? Because, you know, I think I was 30 something when I, I did landmark. and I'm like, wow, I wish I had realized this, you know, early 20s. It would have been really profound to see kind of 
um, you know, what a life-altering experience is. Then there's this other aspect of Landmark, something that I've brought up on the show, but I haven't gotten to talk to anybody who's actually been through it. And it was something that I heard Dan Kennedy say in a, a seminar that he did where he talked uh, about meeting Werner Earhart. And he said, sum up the whole S thing for me in one sentence. And he said, we, br- you know, sell independence, but we breed dependence, um, which, you know, makes you kind of cringe. And yet, you know, I mm-hmm. see people who go out of Landmark and do remarkable things. And then I see people who get stuck in this vicious cycle where that just becomes their life, but nothing is actually changing in their life. Okay, so, that was a lot. I'm processing that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm um, curious what yeah. you have to say about all of this. Okay, so so they didn't have the kid version when I went. Okay. Okay? It was actually a couple of weekends long. Mm-hmm. It was freaking long. It was up at the L.A. Convention Center. And I think it was two or three weekends, all weekend. You couldn't go to the bathroom, you know, all that sort of yep, stuff. Totally. All, all the early stuff. I mean, this was, what, back in the 70s? Mm-hmm. 77, I think, was when I took it. Yeah, because I, yeah, 77. Um, here's the thing. Anything can cause dependence, you know? Mm-hmm. Any program can cause dependence. The question is, what does the person bring to it? You know, and this is, this is what we write about in the Smart Tribes. This is, I just uh, filed the manuscript with my publisher for my next book, you know, about emotional resilience. Um, it, it, it's our job. It's our great good fortune to find out who we are. That is like the most important thing to do on this planet in this fleeting and very brief lifetime. And you can you can give responsibility for that to someone else. Well, you can attempt rather. Or you can say, wow, I really want to know. And yeah, it's going to be scary sometimes and it's going to be hard. I mean, Landmark wasn't exa- exactly comfortable or S certainly wasn't comfortable. Landmark probably wasn't either. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that's the coolest thing is to find out who you are. And so if you find out who you are and you make it a priority, then you can hang out here or hang out there. But the question is, are you growing and changing and expanding and becoming more loving and kind and wise and patient and all that stuff? And people, you know, people can see um, whether they're going there or not. And now we know that you can physiologically alter the brain to be more emotionally resilient. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it a priority? Mm. Do you want to really find out who you are? Because if you do, you won't get caught in certain stuff. Yeah. You'll be constantly curious, which I think is the best stance ever as you go through life is to be curious. Why get irritated when you can get fascinated and curious as to why that person has that behavior? Mm. You know, why do I keep creating that? Let me get curious about why I create that. So you mentioned something which I realize is probably not the subject that we should be talking about since we're talking about smart tribes, but I couldn't let it go. You mentioned that we can rewire the brain physiologically for emotional resilience. And, you know, I can't imagine that the question on everybody's head isn't how. Yeah. Yeah. So we we unpack that fully and we'll have to do another one at some point on Empower Your Tribe. Um, My next book, which is coming out in January 2018. Woo. Um, You can do this with a series of different techniques that we teach in the book. One of them, and for everybody listening, and maybe, can we put some resources out for people? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm going to send you a link so everybody can see it. And it's a Forbes blog I wrote on myelination. Myelination is white matter, okay? So neural pathways are gray matter. But myelination is super cool because when we forge a new pathway, neurons that wire together, fire together, as we learn to forge a new pathway, and I unpack it in this Forbes blog and then obviously much deeply, more deeply in the book, um, when we go through some struggle to learn a new instrument, to learn a new language, to learn a new behavior, you know, et cetera, um, we then forge a new neural pathway. The more we work on that new behavior and move through discomfort, um, oligodendrocytes, astrocytes in your brain are lit up and the myelination process occurs. Think about an electrical wire that then has like a coating on it. Myelin then takes that new behavior, that new neural pathway, and takes it from dial-up to broadband. So we don't necessarily drop old behaviors, we create new behaviors that have greater amounts of myelin and become our default. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm going to send um, a blog, uh, and we can we can post it up there to show kind of um, how the brain actually gets smarter. So. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy is okay and it's useful, but what's more useful is understanding how to forge new neural pathways and to move through the discomfort of doing that to create that new behavior and to make it the default. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I remember talking with Dan Coyle, um, who wrote The Talent Code, and we were talking about my, my habit of writing a thousand words a day. And he said, yeah. he said, he said, between all the interviews you've done and that one habit, he said, I guarantee you, you've created new myelin layers. Uh, oh, totally. And, which yeah. is, is interesting because these are all behaviors that I could never have sustained years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And probably in the beginning when you were doing a thousand words, it wasn't like, oh, this is totally easy. Yeah. You know, there was some, uh, not trauma, sure. but, you know, effort. Uh-huh. Effort. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I need to mention, we're, we, we have a, a neuro tutorial that we created for you guys. Um, it's on smarttribesinstitute.com slash free tools. Cool. But I'll, I'll send that to you so that everybody can get started on taking their brains wherever they want to take them. Awesome. Um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, there's there's a the outcome frame. You know what? I'm going to send you guys the video too for the outcome frame because I want, when we walk people through an outcome frame and I have a video for that, then you can start to get extreme clarity on what you want to create because many people, frankly, actually don't know what they want or they don't know the cost of it. Uh-huh. And if you, if you don't have the cost of it, you can't create it. All right. So before we get to Smart Tribes, um, I would like to actually do a walkthrough of sort of the trajectory of your career from like Microsoft to where you are now. Like, how did you arrive at this point? Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay. Uh, um, Well, before Microsoft, I actually started, um, I was on the team that started a bank for high net worth individuals when I was 19. Um, I was a Buddhist monk from 17 to 24. So I was actually, you know, under vow when I was uh, doing the bank. Um, but but then after I left the order, because we were going, we were going, we were going up and out. And I was like, no, no, you guys, we're supposed to go in and down. And they're like, you're a bad monk. You know, you need to go the direction that we say. And I'm like, I don't know. I think you have to like go in and like deal with your staff, you know, and really find out who you are. Then you can transcend. If we just transcend everything, we're not dealing with the mess that we made, mm. you know? So basically, I left the order. Um, to, it was a, a branch of Tibetan Buddhism. Um, great people. I I had the great honor of supporting the Dalai Lama on his 2010 tour, which was super cool because he's such an amazing, interesting, funny guy. Um, but after that, I thought, okay, if I'm going to do the world, I'm going to do the world. And that's when I called up Microsoft and, and, and stuff. But um, so... I like to see where there is pain and remove it. Mm-hmm. So every company I've, I've built, I've built seven companies. I've sold um, five or taken them public. But every company I've built, every challenge that I've taken on has been because I see some pain. Um, and I want to remove it. So I was working at Microsoft. Everything was great. They got busted by the EDD and the IRS. You know, they had a bunch of contractors that looked like employees. I scooped them up. I rented them back to Microsoft. You know, that's where I made my first million, which was cool. Um, Because then I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Okay, I could do this. Um, This is easier than I thought. And I've built a bunch of companies since then, professional services, financial services, um, technology companies. I did venture capital at one point. So I thought, oh, this is cool. I can reinvent venture capital. Okay, that didn't totally work. <laughs> but I tried <laughs> um, to create a kinder, gentler VC that was more pro-entrepreneur. Um, and then um, I retired at 40, and my dad got cancer or pancreatic cancer, and I helped him through that. And that totally changed my life. And then uh, wrote my first book, Rules for Renegades. People kept calling. Um, wrote my second book, Smart Tribes, and just wrote my third book. Um, I've been probably some of my best teachers as I've been going along the way and deciding to make various moves uh-huh. has been, I read a lot of Carlos Castaneda in the early days. And I really like what Don Juan said about using death as an advisor. Uh-huh. Um, and before I make a decision, you know, if I only had so much time to live, would I actually do this? Or if something's upsetting me, seriously, is this going to matter later? And I've been uh, a hospice volunteer for 18 years. Wow. And I've had the opportunity to help 35 people die. And it is the most sacred contribution I think I've made um, on this planet. Um, 
And I think just if, if people can start to get present to their own mortality, it helps us increase our tolerance for our humanity and the humanity of others. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, so many questions uh, yeah. based on this. Um, well, first, first thing I, I think is something that it seems to come up for me a lot of times when I get to talk to people like you is, is what is it that enables success at the scale of like a Microsoft or a Bill Gates, um, you know, having had, you know, a front row seat to people like this? Like, is there something that inherently separates these people from the rest of us? And, and, you know, like, what is it that separates the person who is building a business that is going slow versus one that just scales to like these, you know, crazy amounts of revenue? Um, And then the third question to come from that is you mentioned having made your first million. And I'm curious how your sort of internal narrative about wealth changed as a result of it. Okay, we're going to go backwards. Um, So um, money is actually easy. Um, Money is pretty easy to make. Um, Change is a little harder to make on a large scale. Mm -hmm. Um, What I learned about money pretty early on was that if I give a lot of it away, more comes. Money is just energy. Money is just energy. So if we don't cling to it and get weird about it, it's easy for it to flow in. And if we are being of service, more money comes. If we're removing a pain or if we're helping people become more powerful. Seriously, this is what I've unpacked around money. You know, So find pain and remove it or find a way to help people more be more powerful. So the PC and software and the web and everything is about power to the people. Yes, it's removing some pain, but not nearly as much as empowering us. Um, the eight billionaires that I have worked with um, really all didn't have a choice. It's like, Srini, when you wrote your book, I bet you didn't have a choice. I bet something had to come out of you. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's uh, in, in many ways how I attempt to do many of the creative projects that I do. It's kind of like, I, I can't not do this. Yes, yes. Okay, so you've got it. Good, good. Okay, so that's what I find with the most successful entrepreneurs. They don't have a choice. There is a degree almost of surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, this is here to be done. I apparently am supposed to do it. So damn the torpedoes. Let's go. There's like a faith. There's a trust. There is a, you know, uh, declaring confidence as you step onto the battlefield. I'll never forget a conversation I had with Larry Ellis. I mean, Oracle did not used to be very popular. Mm-hmm. Sybase was eating their lunch, you know, just like Netscape Navigator was crushing Internet Explorer. And I had a conversation with Bill about, like, the stuff that I thought Netscape was missing. And he's like, we're going to nail it. We're going to nail that. We're going to nail that. And, you know, he did because he paid attention to the independent software vendors and the relationships more than Netscape did. They got a little bit arrogant. So... If you have something that you must do this lifetime, just do that, and it's going to be super successful to whatever degree as long as you really stay in service. That's seriously, that is like the God's truth for me is being in service. And whenever I have a big financial windfall, I give a bunch away to cool nonprofits that inspire the heck out of me because I can't do what a lot of those guys do at scale, you know? I mean, we're helping 600 people die each month. I mean, that's crazy. I can't do all that, but I can help fund it, yeah. you know, and I can help two people die each month, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Sorry, what were some of the other questions? Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Um, I, I think you answered all of them. I, I think the, the other other real thing is is you know what enables a business to scale at that level. Like what what does it actually take to go from you know even sitting where we're at to sort of the next. Like I, I think everybody in their mind has sort of a next level from where they're at. And I'm curious yeah. what causes people to get to that next level. Good, good. Okay. Another resource we're going to give you guys is the inflection point chart. So it's taken me like 30 years to figure this out. There are certain revenue inflection points that a company traverses. So for instance, 10 million, 25 million, 50, 100, 250, 500 million. When we actually are approaching a revenue inflection point, there are certain things that we must do to ensure that we get to it and through it. Every single company that calls our company, Smart Tribes Institute, and says, help me get to the next inflection point, a chunk of them um, are stuck and swirling between revenue inflection points because they haven't done the stuff on the chart. Other people want to get to that next level, but they haven't done the stuff prior, so they're also stuck. So let's talk about this for a sec. There are people things, and again, we'll put this chart up on your site. There are people things you need to do. There are money things you need to do, and there are business model things you need to do. If you go through this recipe, and then if you intentionally work on building the emotional resilience of your people using the tools on the the free tools website and going through the tutorial that we're going to send you guys for like the outcome frame, building safety, belonging, and mattering so people don't have to be in limbic system override, you know, amygdala hijack, what we call critter state, where they're in fight, flight, freeze all the time instead of in the most beautiful part of their brain where everything is possible. So it's not managing one's emotional state. It's not guiding the emotional state of their people, and it's not following the inflection point chart. Seriously, Sereni, I tell you, it's fairly formulaic to build a company. Hmm. That's really what I found. I mean, I've invested in 200 companies. Yes, I got lucky with Google, but I've invested in 200 companies. I've sat on over 36 boards and, you know, it's not rocket science. Yes, there's an element of timing. There's an element of this is what I must do. But then there's also just 
doing the hard work of setting up the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure, the emotional infrastructure, the relationship infrastructure, mm-hmm. because if we do all that, people are amazing and they just think that they're okay. Like they didn't get the memo. You know, people are so unlimited. If we create the right conditions, they will blow your mind on a regular basis. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's funny because uh, it kind of reminds me of this theme that has kept coming across in my reading and it kind of showed up in my writing was this idea that success is a process, not an event. Yeah. Yeah. If whenever you want to find out what you want, or find out what somebody else wants, or ask a client or a prospect, here, here's six questions. What would you like? Something that, that they can create and maintain, not like world peace, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, peace inside of me, right? Yeah. What would you like? What will having that do for you? How will you feel? What benefits will you get? Number three, how will you know when you have it? Proof, something tangible, measurable, specific. Number four, where, when, with whom do you want it? Scoping, timing. Mm-hmm. Number five, what a value, my favorite question, what a value might you risk or lose? What side effects may occur? Because that question number five, that's why you don't have number one yet. Mm. Because you're not okay with, with what that you value, you might risk or lose. And there's always an ego, ego component. I might not feel it's important. I might not get approval. I might not be able to control stuff. And then number six, we always go into, you know, what are your next steps? I'll, you know, in the video that you guys will get, you'll, I'll step you through a longer version. Mm-hmm. But it's our job, it's our great good fortune as leaders to help people get into what we call the smart state, where their reptilian brain, their mammalian brain, their prefrontal cortex is all working together, and that's where they can see the future. That's where they can have kind of unbridled enthusiasm. That's where they can have dopamine and serotonin firing and oxytocin firing, and they are flooded with positive neurotransmitters that enable them to have vision like never before. I mean, when I sat down with Steve Jobs and he explained what was going to happen in the next 18 years, he went 18 years into the future and it all happened, Srini. Mm. You know, it's because he focused so much on going into the future and didn't look at all the limitations and listen to the stories because most stuff is just a story. It's a story about what happened in the past, or it's a story based on fear. Mm. Wow. We don't have the luxury to listen to stories based on fear. We don't. And, and the billionaires and the amazing people you know, that, that really put a dent in the universe don't listen to stories based on fear. They get curious instead. Wow. All right. So I want to dissect this whole idea of smart tribes because that's kind of how I was exposed to your work. Um, and yeah. Can you give us the sort of framework for basically how do we build smart tribes in our lives and in our companies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So um, as leaders, we unintentionally, okay, send people into their critter state, um, fight, flight, freeze, accidentally based on certain behaviors that we have. We give uh, vague and unclear directives, so they're not quite sure where to go. We are constantly changing directives. We are telling them to be accountable, but we're not being accountable. Um, We aren't enrolling and engaging people emotionally and bringing high levels of safety, belonging, and mattering to their experience at work. And and or, pardon me, we're burning people out. So, um, you guys can go to smarttribesinstitute.com slash lead, and you can see how much time you're spending in your critter state. It's going to take you seven to 10 minutes to take the assessment, and it's free. Um, so for starters, get the baseline. That way you can just be brutally honest with yourself and say, hmm, how am I doing as leader? Mm-hmm. Next, <clears throat> look at what your lowest score is. Whatever your lowest score is on the leadership excellence assessment, that's going to tell you then what to focus on. So if you have focus challenges, right, that's where we need to do a high value, low value table. Mm -hmm. List down, you know, on the left, all the low value activities you do in an average month. On the right, all the high value activities. High value meaning the stuff that really makes a huge difference, that makes you feel vibrant and alive. You can work a 12-hour day, but still you feel psyched afterwards. You know, the low value and have your people do this as well because chances are really good your people are discouraged or, you know, not as passionate because their their energy and their talent's being wasted. Um, 
Next, make sure that you are explicitly communicating. You know, make sure that you're actually saying what you mean and you're doing the communication handshake. If you're delegating, are you giving it to somebody who actually has the skills to follow through? Um, are they echoing back what you asked them for because you might have missed some details? And then are you guys getting the handshake? Yep. Okay. So this is due Friday at 4 p.m. The brain likes specifics. If you say it's due Friday at 4, you're going to send some people into critter state. Because they're going to say, what does that mean? Huh? Well, I don't want to ask them because I don't want to look stupid. So Friday at 4 p.m., um, sales by region, please, an Excel spreadsheet, sort of descending all products. You know? Make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. Okay. We have a handshake. Um, accountability structures. A lot of us have accountability challenges which send people into critter state because we actually don't have consequences. So somebody doesn't follow through on something and there's no consequence. You know, there are four questions we can ask people that really make it work. Ah, so are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm totally okay, Christine. Well, you know, it's 5 o'clock, and this report was due to me at 4 o'clock. Oh, shoot. Okay, let's have a conversation about accountability, blah, blah, blah. You know, I need this right away. Okay, got it, yeah. Are you okay? No, I'm actually not okay. I just had this personal life crisis. Whoa, dude, okay. Let's give your work to somebody else so that in the future, you know, we can, you know, stay on top of our accountability, whatever. Um if it happens again, is there too much on your plate? Do a high value, low value. You can't overload your people or they're going to go into critter state. You can't just keep piling work on their plate. They're not going to tell you if they're overloaded often until they feel safety belonging mattering with you. Then is this the right role for you? You know, And then ultimately, do you really want to work here? So all these structures that we put in place help create this environment where we belong with each other. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I want to spend a sec, if it's okay with you, on the importance of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. Because human beings need our tribal beings. You know, as little babies, we, we need to be fed and cared for for years and years before we can be independent. And we all need to feel that we're with people who are similar, or as we say in neuro, same as us. To feel that we belong together and we can move forward together. So let's look at etymology because it's interesting. So belong is from Middle English. Belong again. Okay. B means make create. Long again means suitable. Ah, so when we belong, we are deemed suitable. We are deemed worthy, which gives us a sense of also mattering and gives us a sense of safety because we're deemed worthy. We're with others. We're in the tribe. We're worthy. We matter. And we're not alone. We're included. Now, human beings are always scanning the world to see if they belong. Did we get invited to something? Are people with us? Are they talking about us? Um, Are really, how do I know if I belong? You know, because rules of belonging are often uh, implicit and they often change. And this is why if we have a really powerful foundational mission, vision, values, people go, ah, as a tribe, this is our purpose. This is our mission. As a tribe, this is where we're going together, our vision. As a tribe, these are our values, our tribal code. If we behave according to this tribal code, then we get to belong in the tribe. So when we look at the foundation of building a great company, there's the emotional foundation of the mission, vision, values, which give people the emotional experience of safety, belonging, mattering, which enables them to question authority, to, um, to um, innovate, etc. Layered on top of that, though, they have to understand why are we doing what? And that's where we have needle movers and key performance indicators and then roles and clarity. So many companies I find don't use impact descriptions. They use job descriptions, which are super boring. You know, impact descriptions say, this is who we are. This is who you are. This is why this role matters. This is the difference that this role makes. And I don't care what role it is. Every role matters. This is who your internal customers are. Your external customers are. This is how you move the needle. This is what you have full decision-making authority over. But most people don't do that. So people are kind of wondering, you know, where is my power? What do I do? Then we need tribal cultural rituals, rewards, consequences, so that we all kind of stay connected, you know, et cetera. But 
it's like building blocks to build this beautiful culture where your people can thrive. And we lay it all out in smart tribes, which is awesome because we've had like 400,000 smart tribes built so far. Our goal is a million smart tribes by 2020, by the end of 2020. <laughs> We're going to need that year. Um, all over the world, you know, Beijing to Berlin, you know, all over the U.S., all over Canada, et cetera, um, Latin America, all over the place. So it's about helping people get in and stay in the best part of their brain by creating the emotional foundation and the infrastructural foundation. That makes sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. It, you know, <clears throat> raises a lot of questions for me. You know, one of the things that um, – I, I'm always curious about when when you know people like you do the work that you do is uh, you know if you're like I'm a person who didn't thrive at all in corporate America like so much so that it just after a certain point it was like okay they didn't make any sense to do it but then I look at you know you brought up the idea of is this person in the right role one of the the patterns that I saw over and over again was people would just put me on these performance improvement plans and there was no consideration of maybe this isn't the right role I mean it took me 20 years to figure out okay I was a creative person who wasn't ever given a creative job uh, oh. so that, that's like you know you realize that's pretty much hell on earth and a recipe for failure totally uh, but yet you know I, I look at kind of and maybe this has changed I've been so removed from this world for so long that uh, it, it might be different now but what I kept seeing was okay you suck at this thing so let's have you spend the next five weeks working on this thing that you suck at um, so <laughs> let's I, make you suck less yeah but pretty much. there's still suckage exactly yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also bleeding your soul out, you know? Mm -hmm. We have to find out what feeds our soul. Like, it's so obvious, Srini, that what you're doing now totally feeds your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, the energy is there. The, you know, the, the world is receiving it so powerfully. I mean, you know? So as leaders, it's actually our responsibility to pay attention to our people and help them figure out where they thrive and also to not judge. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, I just want rock stars. It's like, well, everybody doesn't have to be a rock star. Not everybody wants a huge growth trajectory. Some people just might want to do a good job and go home to their family, and that's okay. Because out in California, out in Silicon Valley, sometimes there's like this stigma. You know, like you've got to be on this rapid growth path, you know, or you're like a slacker somehow. <laughs> yeah. So. That's like crazy, right? Let's like look at the human being and find out what's this person's personal best. George and Sue are not going to perform at the same level. What's their personal best? That's where we can respect and honor the person. We can help them build self-esteem. And when we have social validation, when we say high five to Srini for modeling our values of accountability and collaboration, he brought sales and marketing together to finish the XYZ project on time, on budget. Woo, Sweeney. He just got a hit of dopamine. He got a hit of serotonin. He is walking through the office feeling good. He got specificity in his praise. We didn't just say, woo, Sweeney, you rock, because he'll get like a sugar high from that. Yeah. You know, it'll be like, well, how do I rock specifically, right? And the other people will go, ah, cool. If I have accountability challenges or if I really want to work on a tricky collaboration, I'm going to take Sweeney out for a cup of coffee and ask him how he did it. So, you know, are we doing that and are we celebrating people as they put forth effort, but also as as they shine in their own unique areas? Yeah. Wow. So, you know, one of the things that I, I've been really curious about um, from a lot of the people I've talked to, especially people who've done what you've done, multiple books, multiple companies, investing in all these companies. I'm curious what your average day looks like, habits, routines, rituals, systems. Like, what is an average day in your life uh, go like? Yeah, I like structure. It yeah. works. Um, I get up at six. I work out. Then I, uh, I meditate. Um, I play with a dog. I hang out with my husband. Um, work out at eight. Start work at 10. You know, preparing a little bit before that, but not on with clients until 10. And then um, I gave myself the gift recently when I turned 55 to stop working if I'm not on site with a client at four. And I have to say four-ish because <laughs> what I accomplish in an hour is so insanely focused. I mean, I wrote my last book in like four months while I had a full client load. So this structure, if you look at my outlook, you can see what I'm doing at each chunk of time. Yeah, I have half an hour empty space between um, coaching if I'm coaching with clients. 
Um, but if I'm on site, you know, we're doing 12 hour days with clients. If we're doing like a sales and marketing intensive or we're doing culture work or leadership work. So I really block out as you and I experienced in trying to schedule this, this time <laughs> yeah. together. <laughs> you know, I really manage my time carefully because that's, that's the precious resource, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can make more money. You yeah. can't make more time. Yeah. Yeah, I think there, there's a, a sort of strange uh, paradox to structure and that it enhances creativity and most people don't realize that like you really need that. It's, I mean, I, I am very much the same way. Like my days are incredibly structured. I'm really glad you said that. I want to say that again. Um, structure enhances and supports creativity. You guys, seriously, it's totally true. All the really smart, amazing people who are moving the needle on the planet that I know are super into structure. Yeah. Yeah. Structure helps us because also it helps our brain stay in the smart state mm-hmm. because we don't have to worry about stuff. Like I write a ton of stuff down. I don't want to remember this or that thing. I want my brain to be free to explore and have ideas. And if I'm constantly running through to-do lists, that's a really bad use of my brain. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? Absolutely. <laughs> write that stuff down. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I have one other question about leadership, and, and this is um, something that's fresh in my mind because actually somebody wrote in and asked about it, and it was about building teams from scratch and hiring new people. I'm curious um, what your work has revealed about the hiring process. Oh, um, yeah. So for starters, um, my current blog that we just posted on Forbes is about onboarding because most people don't do it right. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm just I might give you too many things. You, you can just. <laughs> I'll just send them to you and you can decide to, to use them or not. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, um, we'll package it all up in a way that's easy okay. for people to get. Cool beans. So for starters, um, recruiting needs to be done in a way that the person is asked self-revealing questions. Bad hires are made because we don't ask the person self-revealing questions. So for instance, what our clients do that they love, love, love is first of all, um, so you post whatever ad you post. Um, and in the ad, it should say, you know, please send your information to email address number one. People send their stuff in. They get an autoresponder. Hey, thank you so much for your interest in company X. We do our first level of interviewing digitally. Please answer these three questions and send the answers to email address number two. Those three questions are self-revealing questions that help us determine if that person has the same values as our company or not. You've got to vet for values before you do anything else. So here's an example of those three questions. Um, Which of our values do you feel most resonant with? Why? Can you please name um, five different times in your career where you have modeled our values? Um, How would your friends describe you? Friends, colleagues, past bosses describe you. You know, give us seven adjectives, you know, or whatever. So we need for that person to actually show us who they are before we go through the process. Then immediately, you know, you get on webcam with them for 15 minutes and see if there's an energetic click. You know, then, of course, we take them through a process. But we need to screen people also to make sure that they have the meta programs that are going to work best with that particular role. Meta programs were uh, discovered by Leslie Cameron Bandor in the 1980s. We use meta programs with our clients extensively in sales, marketing, and business development because we can create far more resonant sales, marketing, and biz dev messages, but also we can get the right people in the right role. I'm going to give you a couple of examples, and everybody listening will go, oh, that's why Joe Blow didn't work in that role. He didn't have the right meta program fit. So, Meta programs help us understand uh, the structure of somebody's belief system. Thus, they, it helps us understand their identity. So they're very powerful. We only use them for good, never for evil. Okay. Mm-hmm. And meta programs are not like a personality test. They're like if, if personality tests, Myers Briggs, etc., are on the third floor of the building. Meta programs are in the sub basement. So check this out. Um, example: One meta program is directional toward or way. Are we moving toward pleasure or away from pain? Are we goals, 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 achievement, achievement, achievement? Or are we solve problems, mitigate risk, prevent disaster? We have to understand what somebody's meta program is. And also, when we create a new role, what would be the best meta program for this role? This is covered in Chapter 7 of Smart Types. Second, here's another one that's really important in roles, active or reflective. Active person, high bias to action, hurry up, just do it, short sentence structure. You can tell an active person I'm active, obviously. Um, Reflective is more consider, ponder, understand, analyze, then 
take action. Active people can sometimes move too fast. Reflective people can sometimes take forever and they need a very specific deadline. Mm. Final version of the budget, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Final version of the budget. (laughs) When we look at the roles, what meta program blend do they need? Now let's make sure that if we want to do some innovation, we blend the people together. So we have a toward person working with an away person. We have active with reflective. We start to mix it up and we get a much richer result. Um, So that's one thing. And then you guys can read the onboarding blog to make sure that we're constantly navigating the emotional experience. 90% Srini of all of our experiences, of our decisions, of our behaviors are dominated by our emotional brain. So if it's 90%, we've got to use that 10% of our intellect to craft the emotional experience and to frankly constantly stay on top of it because people make decisions, 90%, based on emotions. Hmm. Wow. We have to pay attention to this as leaders. It's so huge. Safety, belonging, mattering is so huge in your culture. Well, this has been really, really uh, thought-provoking, as I expected it would be. I mean, you've just packed it with so many nuggets. So I have one last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews at The Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Passion. I don't care what somebody is passionate about. I just need to know that they're passionate about something. Um, Passion is like life force. Passion is what makes somebody who they are. You know, passion is how we show up in the world and what we love. Because to do great things takes amazing courage. To have that courage takes amazing, beneath that courage, commitment. And to have that commitment and to show up when you don't feel like it takes love. So I want to know what people love. And if they don't love anything, I just can't hang out with them. (laughs) Well, um, I I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share your story and insights with our listeners. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Serene. Thanks for your generosity. Yeah. Yeah. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.